0: Welcome to Upthinking Finance, a podcast that offers a unique and discerning view of economics and financial planning. Here is your host, Emerson Fersh.
1: Welcome back to another edition of Upthinking Finance. I'm Emerson Fersh. Wild at Heart author John Eldridge once wrote, life isn't a puzzle to be solved. It's an adventure to be lived. I have to imagine at one time or another, most of you that are listening have considered the idea of just checking out of your life and going to chill out at some tropical island somewhere and just get away for a while, break the routine and relax. I know there was a point in my life where I kind of had a defining moment and going to work at Club Med seemed like a viable option for me at that time. But God had other plans, and would actually encourage any of you who maybe are feeling the need to just get away for a while, maybe an extended period of time, to listen to my associate from Capital Investment Advisors podcast. His name's Johnny West, and he did an episode called Mini Retirement, which is available on our website, www.ciadvisors, advisors, spelled with an E, dot com. Today's guest, however, is actually privileged to interview one of my old college buddies from St. Louis University back in the early 80s. He and his wife, Tim and Stephanie Maurer, are our guests today, and their path led them to the Caribbean islands for an extended and long period of time. Tim and Stephanie discovered the British Virgin Islands in 2000 when they experienced their very first crew charter. It was a special trip as one of their stops included the Bitter End Yacht Club on Virgin Gorda, where they got married. The experience of sailing on the islands was completely intoxicating. It changed the course of their lives, and a 10-year plan was hatched. They made it a goal to buy a boat and come back to sail the beautiful Caribbean islands. From then, all vacations were spent sailing the Caribbean waters, and summers were spent sailing on Lake Michigan at their hometown of Chicago. In the autumn of 2013, they found their catamaran up in Rhode Island and sailed her down to the Caribbean, where they spent a year upgrading the boat and exploring the islands as far south as Grenada. They are happy to welcome you on board their boat, endless pleasure to share the beautiful Caribbean island through their eyes. So, it's my pleasure to welcome coming to us from Grenada, West Indies, Tim and Stephanie Maurer. Welcome to Upthinking Finance.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Here. It's great so, to be here.
1: It's great to be here. So, for the listeners, I saw Tim up until this recent time we got acquainted. The last time I saw him, he was wearing a lab coat at some hospital in St. Louis after I left college. And here we are a number of years later and everything's changed. So I wanted to start with when you guys met and kind of came to this idea to leave corporate America and start this adventure that you're on.
3: I need to back up just a step. You mentioned the lab coat and I can't help it now. So I <laughs> got a medical degree in college and kind of fell back into the medical technology field is where I landed, having put myself through college by working at hospitals and working with doctors and getting meet and talk to many of them. Anyway, so I decided not to go to med school. I took medical technology as a route. And shortly after that, graduated, a friend of mine called me, he's working for a company called World Sports Promotions. And he said, hey, Maurer, don't you ski? And I said, yeah, I'm a skier. What's going on? He's like, we're running this big promotion up in Jackson Hole, Wyoming for Anheuser-Busch. We need skiers. Are you interested? I'm like, well, I got a job at the hospital. What am I going to do about that? I'm like, how long does this thing last? He's like, oh, we need you like three months. Anyway, long story short is I took a leave of since did that job. And longer story, keeping it shorter... I came back after doing that job and had the time of my life skiing in uh, Wyoming, running promotions, setting up and working as hard as I've ever worked in my life. But I had the best time of my life and I was outdoors. It was just amazing and met the owner of the company and he goes, hey, you know, Tim, we don't really have anything now, but I really like you, like your attitude, your work ethic. He goes, you think you'd be interested? And I said, yeah, I'd love to talk. So months go by, I go back to work. He calls me and he has something. Long story short, I was about to make a transition to medical industry, had a really good offer. He gives me like half the price. I don't take that offer. I go with him. So now I'm into marketing, sports, sponsorship, event production, marketing, which I thoroughly enjoyed. And I started at the ground level, went back to literally the lowest guy on the totem pole and worked my way all the way up. During that stint, we were expanding and hiring and growing. And I was a manager running a couple of accounts. There were some interest to hire more individuals. So one of my colleagues said, Hey, Tim, I've got this girl. I really want to interview. You're going to be down in Florida for spring break, running that Coca-Cola program you got. She's in Florida. If she comes out, we you interview her for me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And that happened to be <laughs> step. <laughs> anyway. Nice interview. But it was interesting, of course, nothing happened back at that point in time, but I told uh, my colleague that I would totally recommend Stephanie for the job and she got it. We had merged and grew into a company called Mechanics and Marketing at the time, but Steph started with them. And then over the years, a relationship developed. In our business, in that industry, you're traveling like crazy. You're challenged all the time. You work crazy hours and you have so much fun doing it. So it's one of those jobs. You like burn the candle at both ends. And we say you work hard, play hard kind of thing. You find a free time when you can get it. It may be wherever you are and you just make the best of it. And for some people, it's not great. For others, it's awesome. For me, it was awesome. I thrived in it. But my dad thought I was nuts. You go to college, you go to med school, and you come out and you drop that. You move on to something I even heard of before. So anyway, Steph and I met in that industry and years later developed into a relationship and I like to say that the reason why our relationship worked out so well is I admired her because here's this young girl that had traveled the world already, from my point of view anyway, grew up in Brazil, but she's American, but grew up in Brazil. And her dad was just traveling all over the world. So move the family around a lot. And I've always since now I'm in this event marketing thing, sports marketing, traveling all over as well. I have the travel bug, the tour bug. I want to see the planet. I want to meet people. I want to go places. She's been doing it to some extent. And it just it's something happened. And we really gelled well and had great conversations. And That's kind of how our relationship developed and from there, when it went on to the next chapter. Sailing wasn't
2: really on the radar when we met. Yeah,
3: sailing wasn't even on the radar. We're sailors now, which we probably haven't even mentioned yet. (laughs) So you guys get married, right? And then
1: Stephanie, this is where you guys, this is where this idea comes, right? While you're on your honeymoon?
0: Uh, Yes.
3: We actually got engaged we were living in Atlanta, Georgia at the time. I booked a surprise engagement in Kiowa Island, which was on a sailboat for a sunset cruise. I had the ring, bottle of champagne tucked under the forward part of the boat. Ooh, such romantic. a romantic. Yeah. A dinner cruise and popped <laughs> yeah. the big question. And luckily she accepted.
2: We had a hundred different ideas of how to get married. And eventually we just decided to go sailing. Yeah. And we had a crew. We had some friends, some close friends on board. And just like everyone else does when they come on sailing trips with us, we thought, wow, this is the best job ever. How could you be living in paradise and working and being on the sea? And we never really thought too much about it, but kind of lingered. And we talked about it all the time because it was such a phenomenal trip. It was very special for us because we got married, but life carried on. We moved to Italy.
3: I had since... Parted the company I was with and launched my own business in partnership with a buddy of mine. Mm-hmm. And Steph had gone on to work for like coffee roaster companies yeah. and all sorts of different jobs. And yeah. I think she launched the first Keurig machine. We
2: were working with Green Mountain.
3: We moved to Italy and we went there. And this okay. was a big deal for me, probably less so for her because she had done this kind of stuff living around the world. I hadn't so it was pretty exciting. And our business grew and grew. And since the engagement and now our plan for marriage, when we got married, we started going sailing on all of our free time. So we
2: moved back from Italy to Chicago now. Three years later. And in Chicago, we decided to do this trip again and go sailing. So we invited some friends and we did it again. And then from then on, it just sparked an interest that wouldn't fade. So, yeah, and this was more vlogs. So we started reading anything that was sailing related. We just started spending our extra time doing.
3: We had subscriptions to every magazine. <laughs> We'd start going to boat shows. we go to Annapolis and Miami and the Chicago show like every we year. We had
2: voracious appetites. I mean, they had blogs, but they didn't have vlogs. So anything we could get <laughs> anyone sailing around the world. And then we started just telling people, our goal is to sail around the world. When we want to go sail.
3: We made like a 10-year plan. And we even drew up a dream board at one time. But a 10-year plan was to kind of retire early, buy our boat and go sailing and go sail around the world and see as many places as we could by water, basically.
2: Right.
1: So this is when the 10-year plan is hatched. And that's an important point of all this because it wasn't some whim where you just decided to sell all your assets and take off and go. I mean, you had a plan. And 10 years, that's a commitment. Well, it's not one of those things where I'm making a New Year's resolution. I mean, that's a long time to plan out and to stick with it.
3: Yeah, so... so- I'll elaborate on that for a second. So the 10-year plan didn't even make it to 10 years. We had <laughs> sold our business and the earnout period was over in our business. And the markets went bad in 2008, 7, yeah. seven 8 period of time. And the company wanted to merge business units. And I was just like, could see the writing on the wall for that one. I wasn't as interested, which we openly discussed. And basically I came home one day. I said, so Steph, I'm no longer with the company. (laughs) She's like, oh my gosh, really? What are we going to do now? I'm like, yeah, we'll figure it out. And we sat down and talked about it. We kept looking at our dream board and this was like three years ahead of schedule, right? And we took a little bit of time, did a little bit of traveling, went to look at a couple, traveled through a couple other countries, Central and South America. We took some
2: time off and just went exploring.
3: Because we also had this idea of traveling and we wanted to experience different cultures. So we even did some house sitting job in Costa Rica for three months. You don't really get paid for it. You just manage somebody's house for free and you get to stay there for couple months and take care of it so we did that for a while and we went down into ecuador and the common
2: theme was we were always, always by the water and we were always looking at the water
3: and mm-hmm. every time we went to these coastal towns we'd always gravitated towards the, boats
2: the boats and the sailors and yeah. what they were doing and the tales of adventures and so, so we
3: made it to guayaquil ecuador yeah. i think it was It was after
2: his birthday, and I'm like, "Why are we here? Let's just go back and buy the boat."
3: She's like, "Let's just go back, buy the boat. Let's get it started now." And that's a wow, right on. We realized it was a little bit early, and our idea was to find the right boat, and that we would start chartering her to kind of maintain income lifestyle, right, in a new industry. We originally we thought, well, monohulls would be fine, catamarans would be fine. And then we were like analyzing the market we realized the transition from models to catamarans from a chartering point of view had become very popular. So we thought, well, we'll push ourselves to the catamaran. And we started researching more and more and more. And finally, this is the one we found, the one we're sitting on today called Endless Pleasure.
1: Endless Pleasure. So, okay, I mean, there's a lot of questions, but the first one would be, what was the reaction when you went to your friends, your family and told them you guys were taking off? I mean,
2: I don't think they were too surprised in the sense that we talked about sailing a lot, right?
3: Yeah, we did. I think people and
2: they probably thought it was just a thought, but I mean, we really
3: Yeah. I think my dad was surprised after the Korean War, he had one job his entire life, blue-collar mm-hmm. guy running a hinge line in a toilet seat manufacturing plant called Bemis. He was just like a couldn't wrap his head around it. you go to school for medicine, you come out, you do that for a while, you come out, you get into this marketing sports marketing, then you build up a career, you do great there. And next thing you know, you're out of there and you're buying a boat and you're going sailing. He was just like, okay, I'll never figure you guys out, but good luck to you. Right. And so we just
2: was pretty supportive. I don't think we ever really got too much resistance. A lot of curiosity, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of
3: unknowns. The matter of fact, the interesting thing is we bought the boat in Rhode Island and we had since moved to Florida. And we were just kind of having fun, kind of doing our research, thinking all the boats are probably in Florida. We'll go there. There's Florida's a huge mecca for yachting. So we go there. We find ourselves traveling everywhere but Florida to look at boats, which was really strange. So we end up finding the boat (laughs) in Rhode Island. We buy it in Rhode Island. We get to Rhode Island, and we're refitting the boat, getting it ready. Our plan was to sail down to the Caribbean, spend the whole first year learning the Caribbean, all the islands, testing our skills, learning the boat, practicing maintenance. You name it, the list Doing
2: is the, licenses, the, the learning
3: curve is like this like climbing Everest. So we get to the marina and there's this little local bar that's right there. And we would go have like a-
2: An um, afternoon. A
3: meal, maybe an afternoon beer or something like that. And these guys are like, they were understanding what our plan was. Every time they would ask us, you guys are really going to be leaving? And we're like, yeah, why do you keep asking that? (laughs) They're like, well, everybody comes in here and they talk about all these big plans they have, but they never toss the lines. They just stay the day sailing and they never go. And we're like, no, no, that's not us. We're going. We got a plan. We're going. On November 1, when the insurance actuaries approve us to sail.
2: So we closed on September 13th, yeah. Friday the 13th, and we left November 8th.
3: Yeah, and we just yeah. refit the boat. I mean, we've always said to ourselves, I mean, we're smart individuals. Safety would be the number one thing. Yeah. So we made sure that the boat was ready to go. We put a bunch of new equipment on the boat, top safety gear on the boat, and the people along the docks. In the little pub I was talking about, kept asking the question, You're sure you're going? We're like, Yep.
2: It was a joke because the dock master had a big dinner for us before we left. Yeah, And he told his wife that it was the last supper because he never really saw us sailing. The minute we got the boat, we just started ripping stuff off and we didn't really have time to go sailing. We did. And we checked out the systems, but he really thought that once we took off, he might never see us again. He was worried.
3: <laughs> we were <laughs> like, that supper, that's not too nice.
1: You so, guys, I remember when we had a previous conversation and it was a good point that you made because you just mentioned it about the learning curve and all, but you didn't wait to like become experts. Yeah. I mean, there's kind of a point where you just got to go, you know, take the leap of faith. And I think sometimes that can hold other people back. Whatever the risk is, it's there's always this wanting of a certainty or as much certainty as there is. And to me, I mean, as I think you would certainly say, half the risk or the fun in life is taking the leap and knowing in your heart this is the right thing. But intellectually, maybe it's not aligned
3: yeah. just yet, right?
1: Uh, yeah,
2: fear can be paralyzing for you sure. You hit
3: the nail. Yeah, right on the head with that comment. Because you find yourself always the what ifs. What if it doesn't work? What if we have an accident? What if I fail? What if I'm in a hurry? What if I made the wrong decision? What if the
2: weather's bad? (laughs) I mean, even (laughs) when I
3: left to go into the marketing realm, I was like, well, I thought to myself, I can always go back. Worst case, I go back and find another job in a hospital or whatever. And the sailing thing too, it's like if we don't give it a shot, it's like we're never going to know. It's like we had to push ourselves. And you're so right as well. Every time we do, we find a whole new level of excitement that just opens up our minds and it builds strength. It yeah. does
2: build strength because it's not an easy road to take. It's definitely very challenging. But I think if you're committed to getting through it, things get easier. It I just told, takes time and it takes a lot of concentration. It takes a lot of it dedication. It builds
3: a ton of confidence. I told my dad, after all we've been through in our careers, I said, arguably, it is, is easily one of the toughest. Yeah, I'm like, we had to learn to be jacks of all <laughs> trades. You would to be a sailor, a weatherman, a navigator, a plumber. You have to be a plumber, an, an electrician. electrician, a bartender. You have to maintain diesel engines. If you're in the charter industry, you have to be hospitality host. You, you have be a to a
2: chef, a bartender. But mm-hmm. not a chef, a
3: lot of chefs are a specialty in like just say breakfast, lunch, dinner, or desserts. You have to do everything. A chef on a yacht has to do all of it.
2: You have to procure all the ingredients.
3: I was like, it is arguably one of the hardest jobs. And
1: medical too, right? You got to make sure you know all this health first aid stuff if somebody gets hurt. We had
3: firefighting skills. I mean, the stuff we had to be drilled (laughs) on and get certified for, life-saving drills, man overboard water rescue training.
2: Licenses.
1: So you see what's good about this, though, because that's what makes it real. I think in my intro, I mentioned a time when my Blaine was just going to, I was going to just stop my business and go run off to Club Med for a few years. But that was an impulsive, like emotional thing. It wasn't what well, you're talking about. It. It's real. I mean, you guys saved money. You had a backup plan if this didn't work. So... That's what's cool about it. I mean, it's not like you just jumped off and sailed off into the sunset. I mean, maybe you did, but it wasn't quite that easy.
2: We really didn't have a backup plan. We just always in the back of our mind said, it's okay. We can fail. Well, you knew
3: you were hireable if worse came to worse. Yeah. I mean, we were making very educated, smart decisions. We evaluated what we were doing. We researched a lot. We did carve into our retirement fund to come out out, with the money to do To start the business, buy the boat and do things like that.
2: We also were very resourceful and you can't be afraid to call people in the industry and get the information that you need because we didn't know a lot. We just didn't know what we didn't know. But I'll
3: say this, you figure it out. You figure it out. You don't have to know everything. You figure it out along the way. And that's why they say the biggest fear or the biggest conversation with boaters is they don't cast the lines and just go. Feel like they have to master so many things before they do it.
1: I may have to use that quote on another episode because I always start with a quote. That's a good one. Cast your lines and go. So let me ask you this you make this big move, you guys captains and running your own boat was there a time when you realized okay this is actually something we can provide ourselves a living on like there's a saying somebody told me in the beginning was like okay you got to be in business four years to where you really feel like you've made it so to speak and actually that was true for me in my industry i'm just wondering was there a time where you guys finally realized this is sustainable lifestyle does that make sense
3: Yes, it does. And it can be. It's a lot of hard work, like we talked about. And it's not everybody's cup of tea. You got to look at what you're good at and whether you think you can do those kinds of things. A lot of our friends that we've met out here over the years, cruisers just retired. They're cruising and sailing the Caribbean, have said, there's no way I could charter. I could run charters. I just couldn't. You've got people living on your boat with you twenty-four-seven. all that you have to know and the safety and the couldn't deal with it. So, these people know that that is something they can't do. We knew we could because we were kind of we were running hosp- events. And- we were in the way in hospitality yeah. as it was.
2: It translated well.
3: So, I mean, Yeah, but you're right. Like any business, it's an uphill climb the first year or two, and by three, you're humming along pretty good. And you got to be tight on your costs and your expenses. I think you got to be good at doing a lot of your own maintenance because if you got a ton of money, you can just pay people to help you do everything, fix things, or even run your boat for you if you want. We get offers to go run people's yachts for them all the time, and we've done it. We've even done deliveries on big yachts, delivering across the Pacific and things like that. But the way to make that model work better, in all honesty, from a financial perspective, is to learn these skills and take on most of those challenges and build your knowledge.
1: So what's interesting about that, too, then, is that does make you more marketable if for some reason you ever wanted to shift out. You've gained all these skills that you didn't have before that can apply to whatever.
3: We just had a question. A big monohull wants to sail around the world. His owner wants to sail around the world. He's doing a refit on this yacht and he wants us to be crew form. And we're like, well, we're kind of captain first mate ourselves. So they kind of have those roles. But this is a big yacht that takes several crew. So I'm like, so why are you talking to me? He goes, I think you could be our key engineer and backup captain. And I'm like, I'm not an engineer. He goes, you're more engineer than a lot of them I've seen. So he goes, you don't know it, but you are. Anyway, I don't know why I segment. No,
1: no, no. That's exactly the point. So let me ask you this because there's something I know everybody's going to want to know. What is it like going from life in the Windy City of Chicago to out spending your days and nights in the Caribbean. I mean, how is that as an adjustment for you guys?
3: Well, I'll tell you what, when you get up in the morning and maybe you've had a tough day, maybe you've got an engine that's down, you got to do a bunch of maintenance on. It doesn't sound exciting, but you get up in the morning, you have your cup of coffee or tea or whatever is your habit. And you look out, you walk out into the cockpit and you look at the beautiful bay you happen to be anchored in and this green, lush green island around you and the beautiful beach that's there. And you go this is my office. How you go wrong. <laughs> and when you're done with the job, you jump in the water, go for a swim, get refreshed. That's your office. And your office moves wherever you want to go.
1: So let me put it to you this way. Okay. Because I remember Darcy and I went to Tahiti a year or two after we got married. And after five days, and we were over in Bora Bora, one of those huts over the water. I mean, it was awesome. The little stairway that goes right. You could snorkel all the whole deal. Yeah. I was going nuts. I mean, I had to get back. I couldn't handle the serenity anymore. She was working up at the big law firm up in LA and I had my thing going. But I mean, did you ever go through like a withdrawals or detoxes from the busy city? Or was it just you were done?
2: A boat forces you to stay busy. There's always a list, right? So you're constantly busy. Okay, that makes sense. You You have a regular. Like an eight to five or a seven to four. Just to stay busy, keep your mind active, do research, fix things, provision, run errands. It's just like a normal life, but on a much slower, more relaxed.
3: We see even a lot of cruisers with families. Some just take a sabbatical for... I don't know, a couple months to a couple years yeah. and go sail around the world and they homeschool their kids and do whatever. But even those people or the cruisers that are retired still try to keep a bit of a schedule to kind sure. of keep a routine.
2: Always a challenge. There's always a boat challenge going on. Yeah.
3: And you okay. you're floating on the water too. This is your home. You need it to stay that way. You take <laughs> things to a different level in terms of making sure that that home's going to float. Exactly.
1: Okay. So you didn't really miss like whatever. I mean, okay. So we live here in Utah now and a pretty small town, at least to me. So trying to get like a vet for our dogs. Like if we have an emergency, we've got to drive almost an hour to get to somebody who may be open. I mean, it's like Compared to LA where you got your pick of 24 hour clinics. I mean, it's just, you get used to services and things and maybe I'm just beating a dead horse here, but any of that stuff for you, you just literally didn't miss it. It, Now that you bring
2: it up, there are a couple. There are some conveniences that I miss, like, because there's a duty or a tax to get things shipped here and it takes a long time. So if you want something, you have to plan for it and then you should buy 10 other things and make them come at the same time because it's just not available on the island. But I mean, medical here is pretty affordable. I think if you had to have a specialist that could be A challenge. We've been on islands before where there's been a medical emergency and somebody's combing the boats around the Anchorage for a doctor in the middle of the night because there's no doctor on the (coughs) island. So that can be pretty terrifying for the person involved.
3: You sometimes, because we come from a first world country, you can miss those things you take for granted, like the ability to just call an ambulance. And like she's saying, or go to a grocery store and have everything. You might find a little farmer's market that has very selective items in some cases. Hmm. And you got to make that work.
2: Or you go to the grocery store here and half the time, many of the shelves are picked over because the ship only comes once a week.
3: I would say hmm. early on, I missed a little bit of the hustle and bustle in the marketing game. and Fancy and, hotels and all that, right? I, I don't
2: miss any of that. I would <laughs>
3: say it's time going on. I missed a little bit of that land travel, yeah. but because we had now done most of it by water, I miss seeing some good friends that I've kind of gotten... Some of these friends don't want to come out to boats. So it's like, wow, that sucks because yeah. you'd love to see them. So yeah, I missed some of that. But I mean, you're making new friends all the time. I think at one time when we first talked to you, we were saying how the interesting thing about the lifestyle is that when we moved from Italy back to Chicago, it took us months. To build any kind of relationship with a neighbor. That's true. Which was so strange to us because when we were on a boat, you build relationships with the guy anchored next to you or in a bay with people or friends you've met so quickly and rapidly. I think it's this sense of camaraderie, potential need, the risks we're in. It's like we're all there. You pay it forward. So if something happens, you're there to help out immediately because you don't know when your day is going to come. And that's the way the community works. But that relationship it becomes it's very tight. There it's are, intense. There are people that have cruised already, say, for five years, six years, some of our friends. And have now gone back to land and they're not sailing anymore. They're still some of our best friends. It's funny how those relationships stay connected too. So that's interesting. So while you may lose something in some area, you gain others.
2: One last thing to address, like the yachts that we're running are actually luxury yachts. So you have all the creature comforts of home. And what makes it even better is that it goes to all your favorite places. (laughs) You don't have to go anywhere.
3: Yeah.
2: Right. We plop the anchor down and you just jump off and go explore. It's just, I mean, that was
3: the beauty of it for us. That's what got us hooked. It's like, wait a second. I can take my hotel room and all my activities and my kitchen and my food and my bar, whatever it is I enjoy and just go to the next island and enjoy that one.
1: And like you guys mentioned to me once before too, there's an element of simplifying because you just realize how much you don't need. I was actually talking to this gentleman earlier today over in Hawaii, my friend Charles, and you're describing community and you're describing how, which is, I think what's missing in the world in a lot of ways is just this camaraderie, like you said, this personal bond. And it's nice to hear that you've captured it and you've captured it doing something you genuinely want to do rather than trying to fit into this blueprint that a lot of people do. I mean, I shared with you, we've made a lot of choices, Darcy and I have, and it hasn't brought us to sailing in the tropical area of the world, but we made choices that felt right for us that a lot of people wouldn't have made. I guess you live a life and then you can look back and it's like, there's no regrets. And I mean, if there's anything, what a way to live. So we've got some more time, but I guess what I'd like to hear is if you have like a favorite story, because I mean, again, I'm trying to capture for listeners what it's really like living in the Caribbean, working in the Caribbean, and and just this whole lifestyle. Is there something that really just maybe, uh, what's the word? I'm not thinking of it, but kind of embodies the whole experience for both of you. Each of you have a moment or experience.
3: I'm trying to think what you're looking for. Or like
1: a favorite family you met, some kind of just cool experience. It's like, man, this is just great. That validated or revalidated... Andrew, yeah. Yeah, So
2: we had a family on board, two families that go sailing every year for Thanksgiving. And they've been on tons of boats. The one son, though, has some challenges and has some mobility issues. So he can't move around a lot. And for a couple of years, he didn't want to come on any of the trips because he knew how difficult it would be to board the yacht and take and get off the yacht. And then he would just be trapped there. Just
3: coming in and out of the water, exactly. getting on it and into so, a tender to go to shore is, is a difficult task for him.
2: So he gets to the boat while we're in the marina and he looks at the yacht and he says, No No way. way. I'm not going. Not happening. He can't get on. So leave it to us. We'll figure out how to get you on. And then the last thing you have to worry about is at the end of the trip, how we get you off the yacht. So what we did was explain to him that once you're on, you can still participate in all of the activities. It's a tender lift that holds our dinghy or tender is our car when we're on a yacht. So (laughs) it, it takes us to shore and back. It takes us skiing, takes us adventuring. So we take the tender off when we're on the anchor. And we can have him sit on it and drop him right into the water as far as he wants. And he can sit there and he can swim.
3: So he doesn't have to climb a ladder out of the water, which would have been difficult for him. We could just tender lift him. I mean, lift the platform up and then he could step right over to the transom.
2: Exactly. So he was actively involved all week. And
3: we had had a conversation with the family before this, and they were telling us about this and whether they should do it. And we said, We think we can accommodate. He should come.
2: So the clincher is this. Everyone is scuba diving and he can't scuba dive. So he... Begs for an underwater experience the whole week, and finally we get into this little calm bay, and we decide, okay, we're going to monitor him. His dad is going to hold his hand. He's going to go down underwater just for a brief period of time with the regulator.
3: His dad's ex navy, ex navy, so.
2: and we have a dive instructor on board, and he has the most phenomenal experience. And everyone in the family is emotional. And I'm getting a weepy. Just listen to this. Exactly. Exactly. Exactly.
3: It's a very special moment.
2: Everything that he thought he was going to be a challenge that week, we made an effort to say, no, we're going to make it happen. Whatever we do, we're going to make you include. It's going to be an all-inclusive trip. You're going to be a part of the activity. They
3: told us they're never going to hear the end of it. The worst part about it for them was going to be they're never going to hear. I mean, it was great. Now he's talking about wanting to be a scuba diver. He's going to buy this underwater mask that he can talk with and He has all these big ideas. So it became this whole new, now he's motivated to do a bunch of things.
1: That's just great. I mean, that's the thing. It's you just, he'll never forget that moment. I got to share this with you. you. Just reminded me, Ethan and I went up to Greenland back in 2019 and they have this remote base camp. And so at the end of the time at this camp, the helicopter comes and picks you up. And so we've taken like four of us at a time and this thing whips up to the top of this mountain and then he lands. Completely unexpected at the top of this peak and we get out, we're walking around. And that's when my son decided he wanted to be a pilot. Because it was just so cool and so unexpected. And that's what you gave this. You gave this person a gift. Oh, that's great.
2: The other experience, though, I think interaction with the islanders on the various islands that we have visited, Yeah, the generosity, Mm -hmm. they're very welcoming, they invite you into their homes, they invite you to eat with them. They love it when you embrace things about their culture. Like if we're at the market and we're eating a saltfish breakfast and some guy rides by in his car, they're like, oh, thanks for enjoying Saltfish breakfast its just the coolest. They
3: call it, yeah, Grenadian breakfast. Grenadian right?
2: breakfast. It's the coolest spot <laughs> to be able to so, slow travel into these islands and make friends and relationships that will last a lifetime. You know,
3: we always say, oh. is, you know how you travel and people like caution you about, oh, where to go? You've got to be careful. It's like, it could be dangerous, yeah. this and that. And yeah, you do have to be smart. You got to learn about where you go, where not to go, things like that. You ask the right questions. But 99% of the people we've ever met anywhere we go ever, anywhere on the planet, I've always been kind and friendly. Yeah. And it's funny, you'll keep yourself from doing something because of this fear. And what you don't realize is that it's not reality. You know what I mean? You got to be smart. And like, we took a hike in through a long couple mile hike inland to go to this festival.
2: In St. Lucia, called Geneco. And we know a lot of people that wouldn't have done it.
3: During that hike, one of the things Steph was saying, we were having locals inviting us up into their houses. Like, hey, come on up. And we're like, us? Really? Yeah, come on up into their houses. And they're having a sample of some of their food. Would you like a beverage? Like
1: They're oh,
2: explaining was just- the festival. It was a really <laughs> very fun experience. And that's 99% of the time
3: that's
1: what we experienced. Yeah. You guys, this is just great. So I think you probably already answered this question. And, and what have you really learned about yourselves into all this that maybe you just, you never thought you would, you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you realize you have a talent or just maybe something that you thought you doubted about yourself. I mean, I could share some things, but you know what I'm getting at?
3: Yeah. I would say that, well, first there are so many things out there that you don't even know about that might be of interest yet that you haven't even run into like this. We didn't even, I didn't even know this existed until we started looking at and kind of bumped into it. And then once we started doing it, we are like, oh my gosh, this is just amazing. The people we talked like going back to your last question too the people that come out, we had families that came out last year. I think two or three of them left to go try to find boats. They loved it so much. Wow. they are on to buy boats now, but
2: I'd say a couple of things. One is fear. I've learned that uh, not to be afraid of things that I guess that I, you don't know. No, I don't know. Like <laughs> I always say, what if this would happen? What if this happens? What if the weather changes?
3: Fear is stifling.
2: Fear is very stifling. (laughs) And every predicament we've ever been in and every challenge we've overcome and we've felt really great about it. And it just helps build more confidence. So I definitely feel more. Everybody can
3: do a lot more than they think they can. Exactly,
2: Exactly. And it's just a matter
3: of pushing yourself and challenging yourself. And the amazing thing is when you do, you feel so much better for it. You feel so much stronger for yeah, it. Yeah,
2: so now we don't give a second thought mm-hmm. when someone says, hey, do you want to sail to Tahiti? <laughs>
3: One of the other reasons we set our 10-year plan and I was telling you like, I don't know if I said 55 or whatever, I can't remember if I yeah. said that. We didn't want to try to wait until retirement period. I'm 63 and a half or 65, whatever yeah. it is, and tap into our retirement account and now start the dream. It's like some of these Kinds of experiences or lifestyles, you want to be physically active and you want to have that strength and that ability. And I'm not saying you won't at that age, but odds are a little less potentially. Well, yeah. And we thought, why wait? Let's You're not guaranteed
2: it. your life. So
3: let's do it now. It's like yeah. we're setting up for a future that may not exist if something okay. drastic happens. We've lost close friends. And that's devastating to think what they were doing and planning for. And now, that's not going to happen for them. So they had dreams and we were just like, we can't wait to follow our dreams. We just got to get out and do it. And what you don't know, you'll learn exactly. and you just have to push yourself.
1: That's wisdom. I tell you what I shared with you guys when we talked before, my wife was the genius behind, let's start traveling now while Ethan's home and young and he was homeschooled too. So we were one of those families kind of, you described, and I was scared. I'd been to the Bahamas Mexico a few times. And that was the extent of my international travel. And I remember we landed in, I can't remember the name of the airport over there in Finland, Helsinki. And then we get up to this place in the Lapland area. And then we're talking to all these people, like you said, all over the world. I remember they're asking my son, these people from India and the UK and Scotland and Germany. And they're talking, we're having this awesome conversation. They're asking about his schooling. And wow, that's really, I mean, it was just, you meet these people and all of a sudden your world just gets so big, right? And yeah, we had just experiences and I'm thankful for it because I've had clients. I've been in situations. I've shared that with you where the golden years never come. And the thing I really appreciate about you guys is Tim. I mean, I was thinking in the beginning, you know, why you really, you didn't meet your dad's expectations, did you? But that's the whole point is who you live in your life for, right? Some people are meant to get married and have a bunch of kids at 22 years old. And then there's some of us who get married later in life and do different things. And it's like, gosh, just you find your place and you go with it. And I just think you guys are such a great example example of that. So any final thoughts, anything you'd offer anybody that's maybe got a dream, because that's kind of where I put it and they're struggling to take the leap. I mean, you've said a lot of things that are really poignant. I'm just wondering if there's anything else. I would
3: add one thing too. I don't know if this is true for a lot of people, but as I get older, I find myself kind of less motivated to take bigger risks, Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You get a little bit more conservative for good reason, let's say, but a little less motivated. So I would say that, yeah, if you have a dream to do something, I would say try to formulate a plan to see if you can start it earlier or younger, or maybe you do like what we've seen a lot of people do, take sabbaticals and stuff and time off and go live it for a period of time and enjoy it. And, Nothing else. Test yourself in this concept or that idea. I would say that. it's.
2: I'd say take action. Yeah. It doesn't have to be overnight. It can be a 10-year <laughs> plan. It could be a five-year plan. And replace your vocabulary with, I wish, with, I will, I am. It's just, I felt like we manifested this because we consistently spoke. Yeah. We told people we didn't know we were going to go sailing before we ever had a boat, cla- before we ever really knew how to sail well. So. Steph
3: claims it's because we had that dream board and that we just manifested it. If we and- were
2: just constantly feeding ourselves with information that was interesting that kept fueling that fire. And then we were making phone calls and talking to people and visiting and trying to align ourselves with people in that dream that we wanted to accomplish. It doesn't take
3: 10 years to do it either.
2: That was just even small steps. Just keep moving forward. Don't I wish until it's gone away. Just say I will and just keep moving. Keep moving.
1: Yeah, (laughs) you guys are great. I really appreciate, Tim, like I told you my email, I'm just glad to have a contact with somebody from a long time ago. Those college years, I'm not even sure I remember all of it, but that's just a lifetime ago. But it's cool to just have gotten connected and see you married a a smart, beautiful woman. You married up like I did, clearly. You know, it's clear you guys have a partnership. And I mean, in multiple ways, and particularly when you're sailing out there in the ocean, I mean, that's not everybody could do that.
2: You live in a small, small space. Yeah. Hours a day, seven days a week, which adds an entirely different element to our relationship. Yeah, there
3: aren't too many people that it's one you need to test out exactly. a little bit Can actually live <laughs> and work together with their significant other 24-7. They have
2: to be your favorite person. Yeah. You have yeah. to be able to learn how to navigate.
3: Yeah, no, that's, that's whole- great. But I'm so glad that we reconnected. And my only hope is that we can do it live again and maybe get you out sailing yeah. with us or or we'll yeah. get out to visit you guys whatever but I, I would know. love to you guys had dogs right yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: yeah so we've got these two malamutes or those probably like you guys i mean they're just they're family members and quite honestly that's one of the reasons why we're moving to bozeman so they have more time in cold weather because i mean that's so anyway but that's our only hang up on anything that's why we travel separate trips cuz one of us would stay home to take for the dogs we just don't like to put them in a kennel But anyway, no, one way or another, we are going to hook up. So I'll put that on my board because I'm with you. You write things down. You put out the words into the universe. My wife always talks about words are powerful. You put the right stuff out there. It's going to happen. So anyway, I just appreciate you both. Thank you so much for the time today on Upthinking Finance.
3: Oh, thank you. Love what you're doing. I think it's a great concept. And I really hope wish you the success in it because, yeah, I think it can motivate a lot of people to find their goals and follow their dreams. And yeah.
1: Well, if your guy's story doesn't, nothing will. (laughs) Thanks again.
0: Emerson Fersh is a registered representative with and securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA, SIPC. Advisor services offered through LPL Financial, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from Capital Investment Advisors. The opinions voiced in this podcast are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine which strategies or investments may be suitable for you, consult the appropriate qualified professional prior to making a decision. The guest speakers and the companies they represent are not affiliated with or endorsed by LPL Financial or Capital Investment Advisors. Individual tax and legal matters should be discussed with your tax or legal expert. Economic forecasts set forth may not develop as predicted, and there can be no guarantee that strategies promoted will be successful. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. There is no assurance that the techniques and strategies discussed are suitable for all investors or will yield positive outcomes. The purchase of certain securities may be required to affect some of the strategies. Investing involves risks, including possible loss of principal.